Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm David Marsden from the Evening Standard. Follow the leader or hit subscribe and you'll get our news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. Give us a rating wherever you get your podcast too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the leader. The Duchess of Sussex has written a moving article revealing her unbearable grief after having a miscarriage. The account, published in the New York Times, describes how Meghan was looking after her son Archie when she felt a sharp pain. I knew as I clutched my firstborn child that I was losing my second, she writes. The Duchess also says the subject of miscarriage remains taboo and riddled with unwarranted shame. Well, I'm now joined by Ruth Bender-Attic, the National Director of the Miscarriage Association. Ruth, is the Duchess right about that? I'm not sure what she meant about that, but it's certainly true that for some women, and actually sometimes for their partners too, there is a sense of, is it something we did? A sense of guilt. Is it because, you know, we ate this or we did that or we forgot to do that? Or in some cases, even people who think, you know, I didn't really want to be pregnant. And and that's probably why I've miscarried. You know, people, I think, fill a vacuum. That's what we do when we don't know why something's happened. We look for reasons. And and sometimes that sense of guilt comes uppermost because most people never know why they've had a miscarriage. And Ruth, is there also maybe a problem that because we don't talk about miscarriage, nobody knows how to talk about miscarriage now? I think that there are aspects of miscarriage which nobody likes to say out loud. You know, miscarriage is a visceral, painful, bloody, messy event for the most part. So people are usually pretty uncomfortable talking about that and probably even more uncomfortable listening to somebody talk about that. I think the difficulty is in the people responding who don't know what to say. So apart from hoping to sort of cheer you up, but actually what we tend to suggest from from our work with people who've had miscarriages is that if you say something like, I'm sorry for your loss, and then stop talking and listen. That will probably elicit something or other. You know, there there are ways that we can ask a question like, how are you doing? That invite a real response. There are ways to help people talk to you if they want to. And if they do, if they use the word baby rather than pregnancy, that's the word for you to use. If they use the word pregnancy rather than baby, that's the word for you to use. I can't imagine that the Duchess of Sussex wrote this article for somewhere like the New York Times without hoping at the very least it would have some kind of an impact. Do you think it will? Does people like her talking about this make a difference at all? 
it absolutely makes a difference that she's written this article and she's thought about this article. It's a very thoughtful article. And she talks about loss and she talks about the loss of miscarriage, but she also talks about losses now during the pandemic when our support systems are so, so much less available, instantly available. You know, there isn't necessarily a family member who or a friend who can give you a hug. But the answer in any case, you know, even were it not for the pandemic, is that whenever somebody high profile shares their experience of, of miscarriage, it has the effect of validating the feelings that other people have. And it does make people feel less alone, just like you know, going to a support group can make you feel less alone. Somebody else uses the words that you have either said or thought, a word like heartbreak, a word like grief, a word like emptiness. That is, that is hugely powerful. It, it's also obviously hugely powerful because we have been inundated with requests for media interviews. So just like the Evening Standard is talking about this, people all over the place are talking about this. It is having exactly the effect that she clearly wanted. She wants people to talk. She wants to reduce the taboo. She wants people to think about how to support somebody who's going through this. That's, that's, that's a really wonderful testament for the baby that they've lost. There's more on this story in the newspaper and at standard.co.uk. Now. Today's spending review delivers on the priorities of the British people. Our health emergency is not yet over. And our economic emergency has only just begun. And that's how the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, began his spending review in Parliament. As he went on, a grim picture of what coronavirus has done to the UK's economy became clear. With me now is our political reporter, Sophia Slay. Sophia, there wasn't a lot of good news, was there? No. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, that all felt rather gloomy, a bit ominous. You know, I kind of I thought back to all those jaw-dropping statements that the Chancellor made at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, he got out that big checkbook... The magic money dream came out and he was splashing billions, you know, with the mega furlough scheme, billions for the NHS. But now today we are uh, we're seeing the grim reality, really, of, you know, the, the economic devastation that's being caused by this pandemic. 280 billion has already been spent this year to get us through the pandemic. Um, and also, you know, the Office of Budget Responsibility today is forecasting the economy is going to contract by 11.3% this year, which is the largest fall in output for more than 300 years. I mean, that's astronomical. Um, so, you know, he really laid bare how the economy is going to be hit long term by coronavirus. One of the things that the Chancellor said that the UK is basically having to sacrifice is foreign aid, didn't he? We're going to have to reduce that, which was, of course, against the Tory manifesto in the last election. Yes, and that's going to really, really upset a lot of actually conservative backbenchers in particular there's the the one nation caucus of conservative mps they've been lobbying behind the scenes against this so yeah he, he said it's going to go down from 0.7 percent to 0.5 percent you know with an indication that it's it you know will go back up again but i don't think that's reassurance for you know many conservatives that are, are really quite worried about this i i think andrew mitchell who's a former international development secretary spoke actually after afterwards and um 
he said, you know, this is going to cause preventable deaths among children. He was particularly damning. And I'm also hearing that potentially Baroness Sugg, who is a foreign office minister, um, is is handing in her notice um, and is going to resign over over these cuts to overseas aid. Um, Also, there was um, another tough blow, actually, to public sector uh, pay as well. There's going to be a public sector pay freeze, um, except for NHS nurses and doctors. But you know, that, that's going to be a really bitter pill for everyone who worked particularly hard during the pandemic. You can read more analysis on the spending review online at standard.co.uk. And... OK, well, let's give this girl a prom! That's the trailer for Prom, starring Meryl Streep and James Corden. It's one of the many Christmas movies appearing on Netflix. Let's hope it's more Mamma Mia than Cats. Our reporter Katie Rosinski has been looking at the streamer's festive lineup, and she's with me now. Katie, in lockdown, all a lot of us have been doing is watching Netflix anyway. Can they really get us to stay on the sofa at Christmas too? Yeah, definitely. I think they've actually got a really strong Christmas lineup this year. I mean, obviously, there are the obligatory, you know, very cheesy formulate Christmas rom-coms but when you kind of wade past those yeah there's there's plenty of really good stuff I mean the month starts off with um, Mank which is the new film from David Fincher which is about the making of Citizen Kane starring Gary Oldman uh, it's got Amanda Seyfried as well Lily Collins um, and it's all in black and white in a sort of tribute to the old old Hollywood golden age style. And then there's Chadwick Boseman's final film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You go over there playing music. I know what I'm doing. Go on and fire me, I don't care. When I got there, they... The reviews came out, I think, at the start of this month or a couple of weeks ago, and they've all been, you know, incredibly positive. Um, so much praise for his, you know, sadly final performance, as well as um, lots of praise for Viola Davis as well. Yeah, there's been um, Oscar buzz around both, both of them. And it wouldn't be Christmas without a, a big old costume drama, would it, Katie? No, definitely not. And Netflix has got us covered on that. Um, Bridgerton is actually launching on Christmas Day. So that could be a potentially good uh, festive viewing option. Um, it's an adaptation of this sort of Regency romance series. And it's been produced by uh, Shonda Rhimes, who's the sort of powerhouse behind loads of big American series like Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal. I'd probably describe it as kind of a Jane Austen meets Gossip Girl vibe. Um, <laughs> if that doesn't have you hooked immediately, then, I mean, what can you do? If there's a scandal, I shall uncover it and share every last detail. And you can read more from Katie at standard.co.uk. That's the Leader Podcast. We're back tomorrow. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.